Well, happy Pentecost Sunday, the birthday of the church. And we celebrate this 50 days after Easter. Pentecost literally means 50. It celebrates the day the Holy Spirit descended on the apostles. We can read about this in the book of Acts. That's where we'll begin today. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. We hear that story and think, wow, how cool must that have been? rushing wind so loud that people came running to see what it was all about, tongues of fire settling on them. It's almost as though we've forgotten as modern-day Christians, followers of Christ, that same power is in us. The power of the Holy Spirit has not and will never diminish. You know, in 2020, we did not gather as a church physically for Easter or for Christmas, which was really devastating. But we also didn't gather to celebrate Pentecost. Nobody talks about that. I didn't hear anybody say, oh, we're going to miss being together for Pentecost Sunday. I didn't hear that. Somehow, the gift of the Holy Spirit takes a back seat to these other holidays, but it really shouldn't. Pentecost marks the day that God gifted all believers 
with the power of his Holy Spirit. That's a really big deal. It's the Holy Spirit that equips and empowers us to do God's good work. Even the disciples who had spent all that time with Jesus during his ministry, watching, learning, they weren't ready to go out and spread the good news. Jesus even told them, wait. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised. I'm thinking that may have been difficult. They had been through a lot, devastated when Jesus was crucified, hiding out, thinking Jesus had failed, they had somehow gotten it all wrong. And then, amazingly, there was Jesus, resurrected, alive. He hung around for 40 days. Pastor Mark talked about this a little bit last week. Makes me wonder if they were thinking, hey, let's just pick up where we left off. Let's go, let's get going, there's no time to lose. But Jesus told them to wait for the gift from the Father. And they did. But after receiving the Holy Spirit, Peter and the others, they really stepped up. Peter preached to that huge crowd his very first public sermon. And the Holy Spirit made it possible for all of them to hear the message in their own native language. Made it possible for them to understand. When we talk to others about our faith, it's not our words that are going to win them over, no matter how eloquent we may think we are. It's the Holy Spirit that moves hearts, that brings about an understanding we never would have been able to communicate on our own. When Peter preached his first sermon on that day of Pentecost, he was bold. God's Holy Spirit was speaking through him. He assures the crowd, we are not drunk, and goes on to quote what we know as Old Testament scripture from both Joel and David. He recounts the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to pick up Peter's sermon in verse 36. He says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Talk about bold. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. 
Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. We are people. We mess up. Lead imperfect lives. But when we become followers of Christ, the power that was in Peter that day that brought 3,000 people to Christ, we have that same power in us. I think sometimes we forget that. I mean, do you fully believe that kind of power, the incredible power of God's Holy Spirit lives in you? Here at Resurrection, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. How do we do that? The truth is, many of us feel woefully unqualified to help reach that mission. Many think, you know, that that's the job of the pastors, the staff, maybe people who are specially trained, certainly not me. But the Holy Spirit has equipped each one of us for this kind of work. By becoming a follower of Christ, there is a call on all our lives. It's time to get active, get involved. We move from simply being a fan in the stands to a player on the field. We're no longer spectators. We are in the game. We have work to do. It's easy to look at ourselves and think, who am I to tell people about Jesus? We feel unqualified. We look at our own lives and think, I have no business leading others to Christ. I can't even get my own life together. Fred Craddock was a professor and preacher, and he called that kind of thinking a sense of self-disqualification. We disqualify ourselves right off the bat. I don't think we fully realize the power that's available to us. I'm a big Marvel fan, it's true. In 2020, when we were all staying home, my husband, my daughter, and I, we decided we were gonna watch all the movies in order. Not in one night, mind you. It took us about a month, but it was, it was awesome. We loved it. One of the things that you see in these movies is when the heroes aren't aware of the power that's available to them. They start out kind of meek. They're not making the impact they could be making. They don't realize they have what it takes. Not realizing they have this incredible power available to them. I think this is what happens to many of us. We don't realize. Maybe we don't believe or we don't want to acknowledge 
that power, that incredible power that lives inside each of us when we follow Christ. We walk around as though the resurrection of Christ was the final scene. We're done. We're good. Let's just go live our lives. If we had stopped at Easter, we wouldn't have a church. The good news of the gospel would not have been spread. Without Pentecost, we're dead in the water. We may as well put those heroes, Kate, back, back in the box. And I wonder if we, as modern-day Christians, if we had been the first church, how far would the church be today? One of the positives that came out of not being able to meet in person for much of 2020 is that reminder that the church is not a building. We can't say that enough. The church is us, the body of Christ, and God's Holy Spirit working through us, ordinary, imperfect people like me and like you. I'm an introvert. I know that might be surprising to some of you, but I really am. So I get it. We can talk to others, even complete strangers, about the weather, the traffic, our kids, all kinds of stuff. But to talk to someone about our faith, even a close friend or a family member, that's daunting. We are so worried. We're worried about offending someone. We're worried about getting it wrong, being asked something we can't answer. Or maybe there's a fear of being ridiculed, whispered about, avoided, labeled. Even now, we have this listen-up challenge going on. We've asked everyone to have at least one conversation with a neighbor, asking and then listening about what they think might be a good way we can serve our community. So how's that going for you? It's scary stuff. I struggle with it too. But not having these conversations, not allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, that's more frightening yet. We are in an environment these days that grows more and more polarized. Only hanging around with people that think just like us. Our social media feeds tailored to our likes. That does not seem to be God's plan, especially if you look at that first church. Peter boldly preached about the gospel to thousands of people that day, an incredibly diverse crowd. Now, most of us aren't going to have the opportunity to do that, but we can begin right where we're at. 
Go beyond that friendly wave in the driveway. Engage in a conversation about anything, about the weather, about your kids. Some of those conversations may develop into relationships. And when you have a relationship with someone, maybe that's going to lead to an invitation. Maybe the first thing will be, hey, you know, our church is cleaning up the highway. That's happening in a couple weeks, by the way. Why don't you come and join me? Or, you know, I'm going to do this Bible study. You want to ride with me? You want to give it a try? Maybe you get to a point where you bring them a bulletin and you say, hey, we have a service online. You know, if you ever want, you can check it out. And then maybe someday you invite them to church. I'll meet you there. We can sit together. Or better yet, I'll pick you up. We'll go to Perkins afterwards. This is how we make disciples. To transform the world, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. And again, it's not our job to convince them that they need Jesus in their lives. Hopefully, our very life is a witness, a living example that we follow Christ. The convincing is the job of the Holy Spirit. We're simply the vehicle, making ourselves available so the Holy Spirit can work. Of course, prayer is crucial in this process. By asking God to show you these opportunities, he will be faithful. And disciples, committed Christians, will be made as a result. I see this, actually, again and again in this body. People who are willing to step out of their comfort zone, to have that conversation, to create that relationship and make that invitation, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through them, and amazing things happen. I first joined the staff here at Resurrection back in 2008. Prior to taking the job, I was riddled with self-doubt. I was replacing a woman that had been doing the job for 10 years prior, and when the enemy stepped in and whispered, you don't have what it takes, I almost backed out. Thankfully, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, a woman from this congregation that I barely knew took a chance, spoke to me about it. At the time, it seemed out of the blue. In that moment, I knew I was supposed to take the job. When we respond to the Holy Spirit with faith, Amazing things happen. And while we may never know the impact that's been made, I assure you, heaven does. 
we may not experience tongues of fire or a mighty rushing wind, although you never know. We are talking about God. Make no mistake. The gift of the Holy Spirit is to be celebrated. And it is God's gift and promise to each one of us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen.